Small Town Shenanigans, episode 11. Today we have one of the First Street Gang, one of the legends. We've been trying to get him on this thing for months. He's busy with baseball, and he's done with baseball now. So we're able to get him on here. Brian, would you like to introduce him? Well, I think, you know, we got some lineage here, and this is good because uh, these are the guys that I rolled with. But then these are also the guys we talked about also with uh, with JC. These are the guys that kind of they held the ship up when, when we rolled out. So this is last last episode. We had JW. We're going to bring in uh, one of his kin, and it's uh, Kevin Winroo. We, we, I think his nickname is Bear, Big Bear. So Kevin Winroo joining us, uh, a Highline guy, lives, lives elsewhere. Where are you at now, Kevin? I'm in Oklahoma City. There we go. So we're out of the 406, but uh, we're bringing it close to home. Hey, yeah. I just I just got a call from Sean Simon, and I hadn't talked to him since high school. And he was he's listening to the podcast. I think he got his mom listening to it too. But um, I oh, didn't know he I didn't know that he went to um, he was on a rodeo scholarship at one of the colleges or universities in Oklahoma. Did you know that? He actually, he went to Southwestern, which was the first college baseball coaching, like actual full-time job I had. Oh, that's cool. So we, yeah, we ended up going to the same place. He lives, I think he's a fireman, I think down in maybe Purcell or in that area down there. Yeah, he just he just retired, I guess. So another one of the, sh- the, the Cup Inc. crew that's uh, shotgunned across the nation, keeping it local and keeping it real. I'm digging it. This could be a mess. <laughs> so, <laughs> like we said uh, in the first couple episodes, she's going to be a bumpy one, but uh, everyone buckle their seats. That's one of the requirements uh, when listening to small town shenanigans is uh, you got to be sitting down. Uh, we, we appreciate if you weren't driving because it, that usually gets kind of bumpy. And I got, I got a little shout out to one of our cut bank people. I, I understand down old Losing tire shop. I understand those boys flip this thing on and, and have a listen and hopefully a few chuckles. So shout out. Those boys. <laughs> it's, it, there's not much involvement. It's just pretty much casual listening. You don't have to be too active and you don't have to be too smart. You can just <laughs> sit back and listen. That's right. Exactly. It's all well and good, except if you're involved in the story. Yeah, exactly. then it can be a little bit rough. We got, um, so we, uh, Bear's got a couple great stories. And uh, the first one has to do with water balloons, which is kind of a nice little topic we haven't touched on yet. Um, you want to set it up, set us up a little bit on uh, where this happened and and the the characters involved there. Yeah, there it, water ballooning was uh, pretty much the go-to. There was no video games and stuff like that when we were down there, so it was standard procedure. Uh, I think over at the house, usually 90% of the time when this went down, we were drinking as well. 
But uh, the standard procedure was just go down and fill up a five-gallon bucket of uh, water balloons. And uh, we had uh, made a water balloon shooter. She had a name. It was Bessie, old Bessie. <laughs> and uh, Now, so, Barrett, so now it, let me just be – so we had the water balloon shooters. But um, talk about Bessie because did this in, involve like a Tupperware cup and some surgical tubing? Is this, is this similar? <laughs> Oh yeah, the, no, there was no high-level engineering going on here. It, it included four straps of uh, of surgical tubing, probably some bad Tupperware and some duct tape just to smooth the edges off, so that water balloon would come out of there clean. And old Bessie, those those I think I you know I'm just going to say this from personal experience, but I think the the art of water ballooning was perfected right there on top of that Presbyterian church. Um, and old Bessie was pretty accurate, if I remember right. Well, oh, the Luther is a Lutheran church, not the Presbyterian church. Well, Rod Peterson's garage down there where the basketball went down, that was where we just kind of, I refer to it in this first story as old Corey Anderson was setting this thing up and he just sighted it in like they do a howitzer out on the dang uh, <laughs> battlefield because when he got this thing going, he was more accurate that night than any night I have ever seen. He was well, in his zone. He was in, he was in, he was in his zone. Oh, and uh, and nobody even said a word. So it started out as just a bad night. We're down at the old city park. It's myself, Jason, Corey, Willie, and uh, and Jared were down there. And, you know, it's a regular Sunday night in Cutbank. So, you know, the traffic on Main Street was just not hopping. There was what, very what time little. What time are we talking, Barrett? We're talking five, six o'clock okay. on a Sunday Long evening. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, not sure that we should have, uh, not sure why we were drinking on a Sunday evening in the middle of the summer, but but that just happened. And uh, there is absolutely zero action at the city park. We can't get anybody. We tossed a few, we shot a few, and there was just nothing. It was one of the few nights where we turned tail and we were headed home and uh, it was just there was nothing going on. So we actually speaking of that Lutheran church, that's that's where this thing went down. So all of us take off across the street. And Bear, we can I interrupt that. you for a second just to kind of yep. give this. This is this is one thing that you, that is very consistent about um, the shenanigans of Uncupping when things didn't go well. We didn't just give up. We always tried to kick it up a notch to make it worthwhile. There was never any quit in us. So when things weren't going the way we wanted, we always adjusted, right? Oh, well, listen, I refer to this one. There's about three of these stories we'll tell eventually where just fate steps in and we couldn't find the target. Okay. So we, uh, we were headed home and, uh, Again, this is one of those stories where just fate jumps in and uh, creates an issue for you when you're a little bit uh, when you're a little bit down and out that you couldn't find that adrenaline rush down at uh, the city park. I think the higher power went ahead and stepped in in this. <laughs> so we just literally we clear the uh, Lutheran Church and can see into the parking lot of the the back of the courthouse. 
So let me let me uh, let me just the, so this Lutheran church we've talked about it before, but just to visualize, it was kind of like a huge A-frame house, but it was big, and then right to the right of it had like this little roof that you could jump on, and it was flat, and it, and you could see City Park and Main Street, and that's usually where we got into our devil's business, wasn't it, Bear? Well, yeah, yeah, a lot of times we did. But this one just so happens we're maybe, you know, as you clear, you know where the parking lot is there at mm-hmm. school on the on uh, that's on the south side. We literally clear that thing. And there was a couple members of the local juvenile law enforcement, the probation officer <laughs> and one of her friends uh, pull into the parking lot in a little red Miata, something like that. And literally, there was not a word said. Jason and I set up that water balloon shooter, and that Corey Anderson started lobbing bombs into that parking lot. And when I told you, you know, he sighted it in like a freaking howitzer, (laughs) he started probably 10 or 15 feet away from the car. And, and you're shooting but, into the courthouse area, the courthouse parking lot? Right into the parking lot of the county jail. <laughs> There's no, I mean, Why yeah, we, they parked, you know, that old back door to, the, oh, to yeah. the county jail down there. Well, they were parked right in front of it. And I'm telling you now, Corey dropped about 10 water balloons within a circumference of maybe 25 feet. And they were all around right around he was honed in he was honed in oh hey and like i said nobody said a word nobody said shoot nobody said nothing as soon as our heads snapped to the right jason and i set that thing up and we had a full five gallon bucket of water balloons because there was nothing going on down at the park we hadn't shot but five or six of them now when you say jason of course we're talking about jw and jw that the the term jw has become infamous and very uh, important in our JW Jason Winter, of course, your brother. Oh, so your, yeah. instinct, your instincts kicked in. So now we're not directed where the majority of them come. You, like any any uh, good juvenile delinquent, is going to look to the to county jail courthouse parking lot, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we had had an experience or two down there. It just, like I said, fate would have it when when a target comes out at you like that that fast. But and it was this, red. You said right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, It might as well have been blinking red with the siren on top of it, to be (laughs) honest with you. But the best part about this is um, it's it's two ladies and uh, evidently the velocity in which those water balloons were coming through the air towards them and their vehicle created uh, a significant amount of fear in them because they laid down on the ground by the car. And they are laying on the horn. So yeah. what do they think is happening here? I mean, think of this. You pull in, and all of a sudden, <laughs> things are flying out of the air. And then they lay on their belly. I mean, what's going through? The, I mean, what, what do they think is happening? I mean, it's, something's hitting. But the fact that they took cover, I love that. Oh, they took cover. And they are laying on the horn. And I'll bet in a, in a two, three-minute span, we probably dropped. 25 water balloons in that parking lot. It was one right after another, just absolutely 
airmail in this place. So they're well, not getting up and heading in. They're just laying, they're laying on the horn to try to get some help from the inside, some backup. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, 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 this was a situation just clearly out of their control. They needed some backup to, uh, to kind of cool this thing down. Well, of course, you know, when common sense kicks in, we realize, holy cow, we got to get out of here. There's going to be an army coming here. So as soon as we get done shooting those, we sprint up to the house and it's just getting dark at this time. And we sprint up to the house and we're waiting. We're just waiting for the cops to show up. You know, any good veteran cut bank police officer would have known right where to go after that incident. That's what I was saying. Like you, like no one saw you. They didn't know where they were coming from, but you knew when the authorities were called, they were heading first street. Oh yeah. Well, again, <laughs> as I told you, fate in this whole story would have it. So Corey ends up dumping out the water balloons on the ground and he actually leaves because we couldn't get the cops up there. Well, Jason and I realized, you know, this just wasn't good enough. So I get on the phone and call the police department and tell them they need to get to our house ASAP, that their oh, water balloons oh, coming oh my, through the oh, trees going yes, about I love 900 this. miles an hour. <laughs> that and is the, beautiful. The beauty to this, this is what she says to me. I know they've been shooting them into our parking lot and almost <laughs> injured one of our officers. And so I'm just laughing. Oh so, my God, that is so, that is so great. So Jason and I go right back out in the street. Well, just so happens Willie and Jared are underage and, and we've kind of stoked this fire by getting the police or we thought a little bit wound up. And so they get in the vehicle. Uh, they get in the old Brown station wagon and hide in there and roll the windows down so they can hear this conversation. Well, I told Jason, I said, you watch this. I said, I'm going to have a conversation with this police officer. Well, about 30 seconds later, a cop turns the corner down there by the courthouse. Oh, no. And absolutely lays on the gas. It sounded like a freaking Mustang or freaking one of those power cars coming down the street. And I, we're just, I didn't know. I didn't know that any of our uh, cut bank policemen uh, had that kind of verver. Well, you, you wait till you hear the whole story because this guy was new to cut bank. Um, comes down the street. I'm expecting one of the traditional veterans of the cut bank police department and their detective unit. Um, and I'll be danged if it isn't a brand new officer. Rookie. Yep. Officer, officer Rich was his name. Well, I decided that once I saw it wasn't one of the old veterans and that we were going to have issues with it, I just made the decision that I'm going to turn, really turn up the dial. So he pulls right in front of us, rolls the window down, and he actually, this is the best part, he pulls like a notebook out of his pocket and a yeah. pen. This dude's going to do some investigating. I start dropping f-bombs on this guy at an absolute unbelievable clip every Break other next read oh and uh turns out that this new officer was fairly religious man and 
I'm telling him people are shooting water balloons at us and they're coming over the trees like they're shot out of an F and cannon. And I can just see that this is stinging this guy's ears. The best part about probably a minute into this, he just kind of closes up his notebook, puts it back. And I'm still going this whole time. <laughs> he closes up that notebook and puts it back in his pocket and uh, puts the pen in the pocket and I mean, I am getting into this guy. I said, you need to get out there and do your job before somebody this is first, gets killed. This is his first case. This is yeah. official He's, case. This is, this is Barney Fife on his first job. Oh, and I mean, I was letting this guy have it. It was so bad. Jason just turned around and went and hid under the tree, just stood under the tree. I can hear Willie and Jared in the vehicle just dying laughing. And I mean, I am stoking this guy up. I said, if you don't find this guy, somebody's going to get hurt really bad. So you say he took, he put his notebook away. Was he giving up or was he proceeding with the investigation? What was this guy up to? Well, I think the way that I relayed to him how this was going on and, and the language that I used, I just don't think that he had any intentions of keeping that in his notebook. <laughs> he couldn't take good notes without, without the uh, profanities. I think up. the I think the profanity caught him off guard. Yes, I, th I think he I think he was you know I think he was a little nervous. I think he was a little excited. I think he got you know what I think he bit off more than he could chew when he rolled the first street and uh, and and the wheels started turning. I think it was overwhelmed too. It overwhelmed him. And I don't remember Officer Rich. Okay, so how long was he with the department? He may just he may have turned in his badge at the end of this one. <laughs> Well, I I don't know how long he was there, um, but uh, I, as with normal up at the First Street Gang, the oftentimes that some people were taken aback at how we talked to him and how we interacted with with people, and uh, I think this guy maybe had never as a law enforcement officer had probably never been talked to like that over a matter of water balloons. Did, now, did you know, this guy, they, was, was this guy a Montana guy? I don't think so. I, I didn't know him particularly well, or I don't even, I I'm pretty sure Jason and I were at college at this time. So I don't even, I don't even know how long he stayed or whatever, but I know this, if it had been one of the old standard guard, Oklahoma, or cut bank uh, police officers, they would have just got out of the car, opened the back door, told us to get in there, and they'd have just taken us downtown. There would have been, there would have been no taking notes. There would have been none of this, this stuff. I what mean, did the guy? What did he? Look, what did Rich look like? He was kind of a tall, slender guy and had glasses. Um, you know, he was younger than uh, the traditional detective that operated down there at the Cutbank Police Department during our days. You know what I love about this is that, um, and this is the craftiness, right? You took yourself off the suspect list by calling in and reporting <laughs> it, right? So now you, it's off the table. What you, you mean you you set it up to the point where they can't suspect you? I mean, they have to. Um, you know, now, now they're going to be chasing their tail. That's the part I like. And you know, there was a, um, this happened to me in Missoula and, and I hadn't thought of this story in a while, but I was in Missoula going to high school. There it was like my junior year and we were 
downtown in Missoula and there's a place where they drive down Main Street and then they turn around un- in this parking area. And um, underneath the Wilma. Well, kind of by that park there. It's um, it's like a parking lot. Yeah, kind of behind the Wilma, I guess. And so we would uh, we were down there, me and my buddy Jason Spade. And right across the street, the JCs were having their their convention, their annual convention in Missoula. And so we um, I'm going to stop just for a second. Kev, were you done with that story or should we do you have, were you going to finish it up? No, 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 we're, we're good there. Uh, the only other, uh, part to that story is apparently I did motivate officer rich into, uh, or he went down to the police station and the old guard told him that you had the suspects right in front of you. He ends up, Jason and I are out there just drinking a beer, dying, laughing. And Jason goes, Hey, somebody's in the alley. I'm like, what? They had sent the 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 other new officer had went on foot up the alley i don't know if he was there to catch us or if if they were really out there looking for it but yeah they sent somebody up the alley to uh to do i mean it was some crap i like i like that you had the sus, you had the suspect right in front of officer I, rich listen you, you you cut your teeth on the wrong crew boy you had the you had the suspects right in front of you I mean, you know, you know, if I mentioned about three names of police officers and kept me, you know, dang well, when he said, well, because he took he wrote my name that that was the only note he took on that notebook was he wrote my name down right before I just started spinning a story and cussing. But yeah, so that's how the night ended. And we again convinced both of them, look, they are they are to the freaking south. You guys are in the wrong area. They're already on the move. You got to go for them. Well, the the thing about it is, from my perspective, is it's super crafty. But I would, I would never have the Kahuna's to call the PlayStation and 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 have them come out. I mean, Brian Burns probably would, JW would, but I and not in a million years would I had the balls to call the police department and tell them to come out and investigate a crime which I had committed. That's well, beautiful. I mean, I, I think there's a gray area there, whether that's a crime or not shooting oh. water balloons <laughs> in, into the parking no. lot. I, I mean, I, there's, that's pretty broad gray area, I think. Oh, I'm well, no, I, I, I agree a hundred percent because, you know, I'm a man of, the, you know, I've read the Bible and there was a story in there that says those who have not tossed a water balloon cast the first stone right so you can't you can't call it a crime if you've done it yourself and who in this country has not thrown a water balloon around a little bit so i agree with you that this this is not a crime you know this is just someone who got caught in the crossfire of good old american red butter fun i mean this is there's nothing wrong with that should they have been parking at the county sheriff's office anyway that's a good point that i shame on them Mm -hmm. yeah That's that's public ground i mean that belongs to everybody yeah. I mean, it, and like I said, it just happened. I mean, there was, yeah, there was some intent, I guess. Yeah. That's beautiful. So I, what I liked about that, Kevin, is the fact that you diverted, you diverted the attention away from you. Now, where do you divert it to? It was basically into the wind because you divert them away to something that didn't exist. And this happened to me 
I, I like how I say this happened to me, right? Even though I'm the instigator, this happened <laughs> to me, right? This happened so, to Missoula is what happened. I was in Missoula and we were down, you know, driving around in Missoula. If anyone's driven the drag, and then the, there's a place, a parking lot they turn around. It's kind of by the Holiday Inn Express or whatever that hotel is, Best Western. So we were down there and the JCs were having their annual convention and they were staying in that hotel and there was a big RV parked out there on the end. And they had a keg of beer right outside the door. So they were inside and they're kind of all over the place, but they had a keg of beer inside the garbage can. You, get, you know what I'm talking about. And so we thought, well, let's go see what's going on over here. It looks like they got a party. So we went over there and it, we, this is when we discovered JC is having their deal here. So I, I started well, talking. You were invited, right? Well, this is my, my invitation is, is happening <laughs> right now. You know, I, I want to see what's going on. And, uh, I want to get to the bottom of it. So I talked my, my best JC lingo, which is uh, what's going on. What's this keg of beer doing here? And I'm probably 17 years old at the time and very cordial group of people, very friendly group of people. <laughs> but what they did was they would grab, they'd go out and pump a keg, grab some beer and then go back into this motorhome. So me and Jason got the bright idea that, well, when they go back into that motorhome, we're going to go ahead and pick up this keg and we're going to shuffle across that park there not really having any destination, but, uh, we're going to move. So it happened so quickly that the door shut, we grabbed the, the garbage can, the plastic garbage can and start running across this open grass area. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever done like the three-legged race, you know, it's really hard to get your rhythm down. So we got this keg swinging in between us and, the, and it is going all over the place and we don't get wow. 20 or 30 feet and we hear stop police. Right. And I don't know how they got on us so quick. I mean, we weren't even halfway across that thing. Stop police. Now I want to back up a second. And so this is the mid eighties, late eighties. Fluorescent colors were a big thing. The fluorescent (laughs) greens, the fluorescent pinks, you know, that was kind of big deal. I had a fluorescent pink shirt on. Right. So I was like a beacon standing out in the middle of this thing. Well, as soon as we hear stop police, whatever, we drop it and we just head out and we take off through the, we're heading off through the park and we're running around. Well, I get into this little open area and I see this guy who was a rent-a-cop. Yeah. He had a, he had a Bronco with a little light that he stuck on top and everyone knew this guy. He'd always oh, I remember. Theater. Yeah. I, I remember that guy clearly. He, he did that thing out there at the town pump where they had that guy, someone was robbing that place. Oh, so this God. guy, I like to, I don't like to call him rent-a-cops. I think that sounds, um, just too amateur. I like to call them citizens auxiliary police force. And so this guy was part of a citizens auxiliary police force. So I do, I kick right into the same mode that bear did there. And so I flag him down and I said, I think they went that way. And he goes, what happened? He goes, I, I, I think some kids were stealing the keg and they, and they went that way. He goes, well, hop in. So I jump into his, his uh, auxiliary car here is like a Bronco two with a light on top. And he's got a, he's got a radio in there. I don't know how this guy's got a police radio, but it's going off. And we're driving around town. He goes, which way do you think they went? So I'm directing him around town here, trying to figure out, trying to head these guys off. Who was me? I was one of them. So he pulls into this. He goes, we got one corner. He's trapped in a tree. So that must have been Jason because it sure oh, wasn't no. me. So oh, they pull no. into this parking lot. Oh, no. And uh, he goes, wait here. So he jumps out. I'm sitting in the car. And he's heading across this, this open grassy area, heading towards where they got one of the suspects pinned down. And over the, and as he, now he's, he's in there for, I don't know, two or three minutes. He's walking back across this, this uh, field, this open grass area. 
and I hear on the radio, one of the suspects has a bright pink shirt on. <laughs> and here I am sitting oh, no. with the, you know what. So what do I do, you know, in my infinite wisdom? I take my shirt off and flip it inside out. Because, of course, he would never remember that I had this shirt on. What, was, was, the such, other side, what was the other side's color? The other side was white, but it was such a bright pink shirt that it was kind of glowing through the inside out. Right. So he jumps back in, and uh, he looks at me. Because he had a radio on his hip, too. He said, all right. He goes, gigs up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now it's over. Now I got to think. Now I got to get out. Of, I got to get into my uh, get out of it mode. You know, how am I going to maneuver my way out of this deal? They, they got the suspect, bright pink shirt. They had a visual on me. So they brought me back to the, the, the uh, JC Motorhome. Right, where all the stuff's going down and it's scurrying around like a ant pile here. Everyone's moving around. Keg of beer, keg of beer is gone. Okay, so when they when we dropped it and took off, and the police chased after us, the kids from a some of the other high schoolers across in the parking lot ran over, grabbed it, and stole it. So oh. now the keg is officially stole. I'm in here. I'm the guy that instigated this thing, and I got to try to maneuver my way out of this. Hey, thing. Here's one of the best parts that Brian. I appreciate about Brian. In most places outside of our generation, Brian, when when they say stop, it's the police. Our instinct was to take off. That that's just not a normal instinct. When I tell these stories to all our friends, they they don't have the same line of thinking. I mean, that was innate. As soon as they said stop, that meant run in the opposite direction. <laughs> and that was that was part of it. Like sometimes I think. You know, we may we might have poked our head off the side of a building there so they could see us so that we could get we could get in hot pursuit. I mean, hot pursuit was was fun. Now I'm in Missoula now, I'm Missoula <laughs> County, so I'm not in Glacier County. I don't know this crew of uh, of badge wearers. Okay, I don't know how fast they are. I don't know how crafty they are. But you're right. Like when when it's when it's stop police, it's either they're talking to someone else or uh, I better get moving. So <laughs> now I'm now I'm back to the scene of the crime president of the jc's out there so i have to go up and talk to this guy and he says uh he goes well you stole he goes oh, where's our keg at i go i have no idea he goes did you did you steal it you know was that you i said well i'll tell you this i i'm gonna admit that it was it was me it was me and uh me and my buddy uh took that keg and uh we're as guilty as as can be but um it's not something that we wanted to do I go, there's no way that we could have been accepted by that group if we hadn't have done something like this. And this was kind of the challenge they gave us. So I apologize. And I'm going to take, I'm going to shoulder 100% of the responsibility. And so now he's kind of shifting a little bit because he's not sure whether he believes me or feels sorry for me. And so he said, uh, he goes, well, the keg's gone. So now, now the realization is that someone else stole this thing. And I said, but I tell you what I'll do. I said, I am happy to spend the rest of the evening and all day tomorrow we'll try to find this thing for you. I go, I'm committed to help you with it. So I went rummaging around. Jason got away. I'm walking around with this guy for about two hours. The police, we can't find it. The keg is gone. And so now we get back to where the, the motorhome is, and the cops are going to take me downtown. And the, J, the, the president of the JC said, look, he goes, I appreciate what you did. And um, if you, if, if they, you know, if they throw the book at you and you have to go to court on this deal, he goes, you call me up and I'll come down and I'll testify for you. Oh, so, now, so I got the president of the JC 
obligated to come down and testify my, on my behalf. And uh, to speed it up, when we got to court, I called him up and he came in. And had he not been there, the judge let me go. He was going to throw the book at me. But so you're an honorary junior member of the JCs in Missoula. That's, and that's what I think that um, – well, now, these are JC members from all across the state, so I don't know where this this guy was from. But I think that, you know, I showed the integrity that they were looking for in the JCs. <laughs> you know, I know that the Boy Scouts, it's uh, brave, loyal, kind, thrifty, reverent. I don't know what the JCs version of that is, but I think I, I demonstrated all those qualities. And, uh, but I think that the, the connection between bear story and mine was thinking on your feet and turning it around. I said that, uh, you know, I saw the guys go this way and they, and it was diverted for the time being. Now the shirt kind of set me off. I never wore a bright, I know that when I was getting into shenanigans again, I never wore anything that really identified me well. I think it was just a t-shirt that said, go climb a glacier or something. I don't know, but it was very, uh, it was earth tones from that point forward. Earth tones. Did you, uh, did you end up getting a ticket? Did you have to go to court? I went to court. Yeah, I went to court and he, he, uh, he just gave me a deferred. He said, just stay out and keep your nose clean for six months. And that judge told me, he said, look, I'm telling you right now, if this guy wasn't in court, he goes, you're going to jail because I just, someone just stole my car this weekend and I'm not very keen on thieves. He goes, but the fact that this guy came in, he goes, you better thank him. I'm like, you know, Hey Kevin, I I think a- hey, Kevin, I want to tell you, um, I don't know why, but that's the beauty of these telling these stories. You think of something just like Brian did. Um, when Brian and I were, it wasn't too long after, uh, maybe we weren't out of college, but I was out in San Diego. We went to the Padres game and this, this is how I look at things. And this is how things unfold for me. Unlike you guys, I was, I was not crafty at all, but we had drank a thousand beers before the Padres game. And we get out of the car and I said, Hey Brian, keep, keep a lookout. I got to pee really quick. So I'm standing there peeing and Brian's like, Oh, oh, and I said, Oh, what do you mean? Oh, oh, turn around. There's a cop. Apparently Brian wasn't watching out for it too well. We get out of the car and we're like, we're going to have to cite you for, um, for, you know, public urination. And, uh, I'm like, Oh, come on. We, we want to get in the game. I mean, seriously, like, look at how far it is from here to the stadium. I wouldn't have made it anyhow. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, well, let's make a deal. If that trail of pee, as it runs down, if it, if it doesn't hit my tire, then we're going to let you off. If it does hit my tire, then I'm going to write you up. I'm like, that's fair. Cause it was headed right down the middle, right? Yeah. It wasn't a, no chance. So tell it, Brian, remember what happened? Oh yeah. So he, this guy, you know what? I appreciate it. I appreciate the way that this guy handled it. So that thing, there's no way it's hitting his tire. So what does he do? He jumps in, pulls moves forward. that car, move, pulls forward about three or four feet and run right into the tire. <laughs> Guilty as charged officer. And that was, that was a $300 ticket, which is the only ticket I never paid. And I'm hoping that if I ever get in trouble in San Diego, that that one's not in the books. Statue of limitations. We've talked about that before. We have. I um, think, Brian, on go ahead, Bear. I think you're safe on that one. I think that's uh, – <laughs> see, that's the difference between real law enforcement like we had to deal with in Cutbank and some of these city folk. Exactly. I, I want to roll into um, – because, you know, a lot of times I forget, but I think we got a pretty good sponsor today, don't we, Brian? 
I think so. And I think that, um, you know, we've talked about it before, you know, we, we stick to other types of, um, industries, other types of, you know, groups. And this week it's a, uh, and it's an opportune time because the, um, Summer's coming up, and this this uh, group wanted to promote their summer league, and so the sponsor this week for Burns Boys Small Town Shenanigans is Average Dole, Average Joe's Dodgeball Club, and they are right down there off Main Street next to the courthouse where Kevin was talking about, and that's where <laughs> you can go and sign up for your uh, Average Joe's Dodgeball League, and they are taking uh, they're taking all the teams right now, we got different categories. They do have the co-ed league, which is, uh, is new this year for the average Joe's, uh, average Joe dodgeball league. And if you looking to, uh, sign up, just make sure you look for Peter LaFleur. He's going to be the guy that you're looking for. He's setting all this stuff up and their motto this year, as it was last year, if you can dodge a wrench, then you can dodge a ball. So go down there, look for Peter LaFleur. He can get you all signed up. They have, uh, they have the under 30 league, the over 30 league, the co-ed league, and the, uh, and they will run that thing all the way through August. So get yourself signed up for the average dog dodgeball league just off of main street there next to the courthouse and look for Peter LaFleur. If you can <laughs> dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> Thank you very much. Exactly. Now this next uh, bear, I think you're going to enjoy this story. Brian and I just thought we just talked about this yesterday. I had why don't we have, this. why don't we have, why don't we have bear, why don't we have bear throw in his story and then we'll, We'll finish up with uh, Jim Doyle. Okay, that sounds good. All right. Um, so, Bear, uh, you want to roll into your next uh, your next uh, small town shenanigans story for us? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, again, it has to do with Bessie, and uh, it has to do with water <laughs> balloons. Um, we uh, we were having a party in the basement down there, um, and and we are absolutely obliterated. There's me, Jake. Seawald. Um, I can't remember who else was down there, but I know the us three were down there. And again, it's two o'clock in the morning. You get a little bit bored. What do you do? Well, earlier that day, Seawald and I had been on our way down to the grocery store to buy some beer for that party. And I spot this box Frito-Lay truck on the street down the road. And so you know how Jason is. It doesn't take much to get Jason fully involved in a bad idea. And so we start telling Jason, you know, we need to we need to fill up about three water balloons and you need to go out there and you need to shoot this this uh, Frito-Lay truck. It was one of those old square box trucks. And yeah. So we fill up about three balloons and we get out there and we are stoking Jason up. We're telling him, I mean, we're, we're literally across the street from this Frito-Lay truck. I mean, we're not, but 30 feet away from it. And we have him, he's got this water balloon shooter pulled back. It's about to break. And he lets the first couple go. And these things are coming out of there literally like a bullet out of a gun. You can hear them hissing by your head. Well, he's got him pulled back so far. He misses this thing the first two times. I mean, did not even close. So now we're really stoking him up. It's like, here, let let me shoot this thing. And you know how Jason is when 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 bad ideas are going yeah. on, you can't he <laughs> so he 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 gets all fired up and he goes in and he fills up two more water balloons 
and he racks this thing back and he probably had this thing pulled back 10, 15 feet and it was not designed to get pulled back that far. Mm-mm, old Bessie was getting pushed to the, her envelope was getting pushed. Uh, he lets this thing go and hits this Frito-Lay truck. And I'm telling you right now, it absolutely sounded like two cars colliding at six. six <laughs> uh, none of us anticipated how loud this was going to be. Like now, J, we, J, JW is the one that blasted this thing off. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, well, he hit it finally at the third time, but it was so damn loud and it was two o'clock in the morning. Every freaking light on that street turned on every light on that street turned on. It was almost like it was in unison, these people. And so at this point, I mean, we were all shocked as to how loud this thing was. So obviously, again, our basic instinct is not to hang around, to run. And Jason takes off and I take off. And as you guys know, I may not have been uh, as athletic as some of the people around me. And we're climbing this fence. There's two fences. There's one lower and there's one higher. Well, apparently I was not moving at a pace acceptable to JC. He just absolutely shoves me on this fence. I go over the front fence and catch my arm, my left arm on the fence, and it dislocates my shoulder. So now I'm laughing slash crying like, what just happened? And so I got my head down and you guys know my mom, my mom, Levon. yeah, yeah. She would absolutely say anything to Jason and I, I mean, she didn't cuss, but she would talk bad to us. <laughs> well, it, this whole thing woke. I like the way you put that. She would talk bad to us. That's pretty awesome. I mean, but so I'm limping in the door and my mom is all over me. Kevin, what are you guys doing to this? Just chewing my rear. The best part, you know, she 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 wouldn't say anything to anybody else. JC walks in the door. She breaks out of the ass-chewing mode. Oh, hi, JC. How are you doing? And JC doesn't miss a beat. Oh, hey, Bonnie. How are you? They're having a conversation. <laughs> well, I'm like absolutely keeled over. And then she finally, she finally says, Kevin, I want the BB gun. And I was so, my arm was killing me. I was like, do you really think a BB gun made that damn noise? I mean, it's, it was just a conversation. So we, we finally go downstairs and we're all dying, but I'm telling you, I never in my life did I dream that this was going to unfold the way that it unfolded. I like how JC just shifted into uh, to visiting mode. Oh, you know? he, he and my mom had about <laughs> 2 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> about a three minute or about a thirty second conversation. Well, I had taken a good twenty seconds of rear end chewing, and she both of them just break out of mode. Oh, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> well, and you know what? Speaking of speaking of JC, JC, actually, this is a big deal. JC was just named the official Glacier County rainmaker. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's just announced today. He actually, he's responsible for it actually raining and, you know, they needed the crops. So, hey, uh, shout out to JC Seawald. You know, congratulations, dude. There's videos on Facebook if you want to see that uh, the ceremony. So it's good. It's, it's good, clean living. Yeah, well. The he, rainmaker. He was used. I don't know if it was rain they made that night, but I'm telling you, it 
the whole f- first street woke up on that deal. If there was car alarms back then, they, they probably would have oh. went off. Oh, car alarm. Yeah. This, I, I mean, can you imagine that poor guy that drives that truck? It was right in front of his house. Him and his wife were probably sleeping. And he thought somebody just crashed into that. It had to have. It was so loud. Well, here, here's the thing about when, when it's dead of night like that. And I've done it before where, you know, we were shooting some explosives off here uh, in, not too long ago in the dead of night. And when, the, when it goes off, people wake up, but they don't realize why they woke up. As long as it's not followed by another report, right? right? They don't really, they just sit up in their bed and said, and, and not really know what it was that woke him up. Now, this guy being right there, he, that's probably what he thought was that, you know, that there was, there was definitely a collision up front, but all those other lights that popped on probably had no idea why they were sitting straight up in their bed uh, at two o'clock in the morning. There was a, there was a lot of vehicles that um, succumbed to the shenanigans. I mean, we had the bowling ball that, that rolled down main street and hit that vehicle. We had the one where hot rod, <laughs> the caliper got hot rod, getting the caliper vehicle. I mean, there's a lot of them. Well, a what lot the, of casualties, a lot of casualties of war here. There's one we'll tell later on where Jake went ahead and popped a snow tire right off the side of a car on Main Street from our <laughs> from our neighborhood. And and to be honest, that actually was not a planned incident, but it it went down as one of the. Let's let's put uh, let's re- make sure you write that down, Bill, because I got to I got to hear how that one turns out. We can't we can't forget about that. Yeah. So um, I okay. Um, JW, what was it? Uh, oh, he the snow tire. Okay. No, throwing the snow tire at me. That's how it all started. So we, we want to, um, I want, I, I, Brian and I were talking the other day and, um, there's a, there's a couple that lived down in the Bitterroot up eight mile road and they were car- cartoon characters. Okay. And I wanted Brian to tell this story because these, these, th- this is a really old couple. I felt like they were 80 year olds, 80 year old couple back then. And, um, they, uh, they had us do a little work it was, and things got a little salty. So I'm going to let Brian tell that story. So we're, yeah, this is a, um, we lived in Florence down eight mile and one of the summer jobs, you know, when you live out in that area, you did bucking bales or changing pipe, well, we changed irrigation pipe for Jim Doyle. And that's what his name, his name was Jim Doyle. And uh, his wife was Betty. Now, to kind Girl, of give girlfriend, you idea, it was his girlfriend. I don't know. I don't know what I, I think. Well, okay. Well, just, anyways, but just, just I want you to describe each one of them really well, please. And so he's eighty. He's what? He's eighty years old. Well, that's a, that's the thing about that ranchers and farmers. They could be thirty-five, but they look eighty. You know, when you're out in the out in the sun like that, Betty. The best way I can describe him is, I've, if you've seen the the painting American Gothic, okay. <laughs> But a little bit more weathered down, kind of like old, old uh, rawhide leather, uh, like a prune rawhide leather. And then um, the old Jim looked like a, he's a typical farmer. I think he wore a straw hat, always had the overalls on. But right, at, right out of American Gothic, that, that's about uh, a little bit more rugged. Looked like a one foot in the banana peel, one, on, one on a, uh, in the grave. But they were, they, this is who he changed irrigation pipe for. Great guy. Um, but he was, he was a rancher, lived off the grid. So, you know, the norm wasn't always the norm when it came to Jim. So we would he, change his irrigation he had a, pipe. He had, a, he had a great voice, too. They both had great voices. They both had baritone voices. If you can imagine Johnny Cash singing uh, Ring of Fire, that's what both of their voices sounded like. So <laughs> down on our ear. And uh, 
Even Hurst did. Yeah, and you know their idea of stepping outside for fresh air is usually marble reds um, right out there on the porch. It's <laughs> right. hard not to respect that. No, I mean, it's very respectable, but we would change irrigation pipe. And I think we got five cents, five cents a, a pipe. So we would ride our, uh, my stepdad said he was going to get me a motorcycle because it was about five miles down there, but I just still, I'm still waiting on that motorcycle. I had to ride the old 10 speed bike <laughs> with the tires that were about a quarter inch thick, you know, on that dirt road down there to change irrigation pipe. Now changing irrigation pipe, you do it in the morning and the evening. So getting wet at either one of those times was not ideal, but rode down there and changed these irrigation pipe really got to know the lay of the land. And, um, one thing that I thought was interesting was he had this, um, he had pigs. Okay. And it smelled like a petting zoo 24 seven down there. And these pigs would eat just garbage. You know, they just had all this slop and garbage and, and, um, he would dump it in there. And we would always, we always thought like that was a big deal. Let's go down and watch feed the pigs. So we went down there watching feed these pigs and he'd had all this I think he went like to a local uh, dairy or something. You get all this old rotten milk that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you open up those little, you know, the little plastic cartons that the kind of cartons that you usually had mission kids on the side of them. He'd have those things and, um, chocolate, it out. chocolate, strawberry, and, and white, but it was all clumpy. It came out, it looked like cottage cheese by the time it was done, just smelled like the devil's business. So we, but we always thought if he had all the slop and he'd dump it in there and he'd, and so he always told us, he said, now you never want to fall down in the pig pen. Well, we didn't really know why, but we, we'd heard that if you fall down in the pig pen that, you know, they eat, it eat you, right? Pigs would eat you. And we didn't know if it was true or not. I'll be darned if we weren't, we weren't going to fall down there. But one weekend, our cousin came to visit us from the city, right? He's from a little bigger city. And we said, hey, why don't you come over there? We just got to go change irrigation pipe. Then we can run around all day because you change pipe in the morning and then you'd fart around all day, you know, and then you'd go back in the evening. So we said, why don't you just go, go with us over there, change these irrigation pipe. So we rolled over there we changed it and he was not prepared. He wore flip flops and he had shorts <laughs> and he had t-shirts. you two setting him up? Well, we didn't think about it until we went down there to feed those pigs. Now we had heard about <laughs> falling down in the pig pen, but we weren't going to do it. And here's our cousin. So we thought, well, now's a good time as any. So, we said, let's go down and feed these pigs. So he, he didn't know how to do it. I said, well, what you do is, you, you know, you, you have to walk into the pig pen and dump this stuff out. Well, you don't walk in there. You dump it from the side into the trough. But hold so on a second. Wait, hold on a second. One, one little t- tidbit. We used to, about maybe 10% of that, that milk was actually good. It was okay to drink it. So sometimes we would, we would, you know, dump it a little bit and see if there's you know, chunks coming out or if it was clear. And so sometimes mm-hmm. we'd drink it. And before we did that, I think we had, uh, our cousin, I think we offered him a little milk, didn't we? Well, yes. To Bill's point, old Jim Doyle, he says, they, you know, he acted like he, when we first did this, he, he was acting like he was, uh, you know, giving us a beer, take a swig. And he knew it was most rotten. So there, we got busted a couple of times on this thing where we, we sipped into it and it was nasty. You take a sip. So, but he's right. There's a couple of times when that milk was okay. And we'd sip on it. So first thing we had old, our cousin do was take a little snort. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that one was the, I think it was the pink one, the pink milk. You could rattle it and know if it was good or not. And we rattled around. And it sounded like I had a little bit of, um, it might've been chunked up a little bit. A little gravel. 
Yeah, it was kind of it was heavier. I don't know how the you know how, how it can get heavier. It's the same, but it was got a little heavier. So we had him take a snort off of it, and you know it. it <laughs> I think it kind of. Uh, I think he described it. it it's it smelled it smelled rotten. But uh, tasted like vinegar and stung like a nine volt battery. Said, <laughs> <laughs> kind of stung his tongue a little he, bit. And he and he, we watched him. He actually, he actually did take one one good swallow of it. And I think some of that oh. got in his got caught in his teeth. Oh, t- he took a mouthful and he smiled. He could see it all caught up in his teeth. Uh, <laughs> so that was successful. Okay, first adventure was successful. And we said, okay, listen, we gotta get going. You gotta go and feed those pigs. So. We had them jump in. The trough was right along the fence. So all you had to do is just dump it over the fence in there. We said, you got to get in that, that pig pen, and we'll hand you this thing, and then you dump her in there. He's got flip-flops on. So he gets into this big pen, and he get, he's getting closer to that trough. And I'm sitting on the fence. I think Bill's leaning on the fence. And he said, just dump her in here. And we are like, dump. well, as soon as you walk in there, here comes the pigs, right? They're racing towards that trough. Well, he leans over. There must, dude, there must have been, I don't know, 35 of those pigs. No, there was well, there was 35 pigs, but in that in that particular one, there was probably seven pigs, seven, about 10, maybe 10 pigs at the most that were coming towards that trough. So he leans over and it's a heavy, it's a like a five-gallon bucket kind of heavy. So as he's tipping it over, I put my foot on that show on his shoulder and just gave him an old <laughs> kick backwards. And so he goes backwards, falls down backwards, and that slop lays all over him. And now you know what? the pigs start tearing into him. So we don't know what to do. And he's, he's spinning around like a fish out of water, flopping around there. And those pigs are heading right towards him. Well, he get, he just goes to get up and that flip flop catches the mud and flies off. This pig snatched the back of his leg, like kind of towards his calf. And he oh. pulled it back. And he just, as he's trying to push himself up with his hands, that pig snapped on his foot on the, uh, just like on the right side of his foot and tip the tip of his pinky toe completely off. So he's bleeding like a stuck pig. His pinky toe is off. We thought he'd just cut it, but after he climbed over that fence, he, he eventually got out of there. He had pig slop all over him. His foot was bleeding and he got out of there. And here comes old Jim Doyle. And uh, he well, goes, no, that, that, wait, hold on that. I don't know if you remember this, but I actually, I remember not much from that, but I do remember when that pig bit his toe, I do remember that pig kind of biting down twice and swallowing that toe. Well, I don't know. I remember there was a lot, all the, a lot of stuff that was in that trough was, when they'd bite, it would snap. Cause it was like hard stuff in there. And I, it snapped when it bit that toe, but I wasn't sure if it was the toe or the whatever. And I thought it just bit, but he was bleeding pretty good by the time he got to us. And he put it, he swung it over top of that fence got on the other side of the fence and then swung his foot up onto the fence so we could look at his foot and by god the toe was gone so now <laughs> and jim doyle is on is on the move over there and waving his hands now back then you weren't thinking about liability or anything like that so he got over there and he goes what happened i said well he fell down in the pig pen and his eyes about jumped out of his head. And once he realized that he was okay, minus his toe, old Jim thought I got a kick out of that. He thought that was pretty oh, funny. He, the kid he, fell he, down big pen. He loved it. And, uh, and, but, but Betty was angry. And I remember she had that dog. That dog was growling. Yeah, she had one of them, one of them old dogs, uh, like an Australian shepherd, whatever, those old cow dogs. And that dog would old growling. Growling at, at my cousin, not at the pigs. He'd growling at And he saw it. He's out of that pig slop everywhere. So What, what did she say about that dog? She said, you watch him. 
you watch him now. And she feels, I think she wanted him to snap at, old, at her cousin as well. But, you know, we had, we had a good time at the, at the displeasure of the, of our visitor. And it kind of ruined the rest of the day. Cause we, his toe was all melt, you know, and we had to, t- I had to talk him into saying, listen, now you can't say nothing about this. I mean, we won't say nothing if you don't say nothing. It was kind of what we said. He, um, and we didn't want him to mention that, you know, I put my foot on his shoulder and kicked him backwards. And <laughs> You think that might have got a frown by your parents, or I, I think so. I made it. I made it sound like it was his fault. I made him believe that it was fault, and I, I promised not to say anything about it to make it embarrass him. So he, mom's a word, and he's still hobbling around with uh, nice. ten toes. It was there was a movie. There was a Hannibal Lecter movie um, with uh, Ray Liotta, and at the end of it, they push uh, the guy in his wheelchair over the thing and he falls in the mud and those pigs just went after him it's pretty 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 gruesome but uh uh you know so yeah so yeah so our cousin uh he lost his toe a pinky toe and you know what um uh robbie told us he lost his toe his big toe um for you know it's an important part of your body for balance but i don't know does a pinky toe really have much to do with anything i don't know you know we never told him that that it wasn't his fault but i think as growing older you want to, uh, I would, I would have told that story seven days a week. I mean, that's a great story saying that a pig clipped your toe off down there and fell in the pig pen. I mean, that's, that doesn't he happen to everybody. feel the same way. <laughs> I didn't, we haven't, I haven't really talked too much about it either. So maybe next time I see him, I have to ask him about that pinky toe. He remembers how it <laughs> Well, it, he, you know, he never should have worn those flip-flops. That was a problem. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was the whole problem. That yeah. probably caused all of it. Yeah, it's on him. I mean, I'm not taking blame on this deal. He should never got in there. Jim says, don't get in that pig pen. He climbed right on in. Yeah, Jim Doyle also had, um, he had a bunch of cheese. Remember the cheese? <laughs> there was all types of cheese and and donuts and milk, <laughs> rotten. And it was all rotten. All well, rotten. 90% of it was. Every once in a while, we'd there'd be a nice piece of cheese and we'd take a bite of it or... Maybe there was a little bit of chocolate milk that wasn't too too uh, chunky. Yeah, well, great story anyway, and that's really what it's all about. As long as as long as a good story came out of it, and someone didn't, you know, I mean, someone was injured, kind. I guess. I guess if you want to call it missing pinky toe, got eaten by a pig and injury. But other than that, I think. Well, uh, uh, I'll tell you what we um we we've been wanting to get Bear on this on our podcast for for a few months now, so we're glad that he finished up with the baseball. He's a great baseball player. And um, so, yeah, the Bear, I know you've got about probably 2,000 stories just like JW. So thanks a lot for coming on our podcast, and we'd love to have you back again. Oh, we'll be back. That's another JW story. Uh, we ran out of water balloons one night, and Jake's uh, idea was to go down to IGA and get all the rotten fruit and vegetables that they had thrown in the <laughs> trash to throw ours. So. Yeah, usually it doesn't take much to figure out a story if somebody's talking about something. We we've got a few. Well, oh, yeah. we well we we sure appreciate it, and we we you know, we had a lot of fun. Um, I I'm so glad we got to talk about Jim Doyle. Like that was such a character. But uh, so anyhow, so yeah, so that wraps up number eleven. Uh, everybody, thanks a lot for listening again. We've gotten some emails and some some good ideas, some good stories from you guys. So keep bringing those emails to us. And uh, small town shenanigans at yahoo.com 
small town shenanigans at yahoo.com. And we'll love to hear from you, but that wraps this one up. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And like we always tell everybody, every shenanigan must transcend. Uh,